Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 36 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me on today's show is my good friend and returning guest, 411's second favorite son, Stephen Cook. Steve, how are you? Oh, hey, 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 brother Larry. What's up, sir? Not much. You know why you're 411's second favorite son, right? Uh, because the most favorite son is Justin Watry. No, I'm the favorite son because I get the sympathy vote because of the whole one leg thing. So. Oh, okay. All right. I thought uh, so. Watry's not on top of the most popular polls anymore. No, 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 no. I thought for sure. Uh, By the way, I, interesting experience the other day. I, I went swimming for the first time in like a long time, and especially since this. Yeah. Which uh, was like nice and refreshing. Good exercise for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. One downfall to it. Swim in a circle now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was actually kind of cool. But <laughs> do you at least go in a big circle, or is it just like a tiny circle? No, it's kind of a big circle, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if you're going around now, how's the floating go? Can you float? Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it, no, it's it's for the most part normal. The only thing that was weird was I was a uh, I was like standing, I was playing catch with my daughter, and she threw a ball that like veered really far left, and in the water. I like, it's really weird, like the, uh, the residual, the, for lack of a better term, that's what they call the stump. You don't really feel it in the water because of the water pressure. So I'm not thinking this ball starts going to the left. So I start leaning over, like I'm going to place on my left foot to catch it. And of course, yeah. just like fall in the water. I'm like, Poof. and she's laughing her ass off. She thinks it's hilarious. Cause I fell and it was pretty funny in all honesty. <laughs> I mean, uh, I assume you got to wait a couple of years to build up the strength in their legs so you can go back on the diving board, right? Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. Although, in theory, I could take my uh, my prosthetic into water as long as I don't go into salt water, they say. Hmm. Well, so, no ocean swimming for you. Yeah, which I never did anyway, but that's okay. So, Steve Cook, we're, uh, we're back together again. We're going to talk about uh, two shows tonight. We had a Loaded weekend, similar to last weekend when we had the G1 and Slammiversary. This weekend was AEW Fight for the Fallen and WWE Extreme Rules. And uh, I want to thank you for stepping in and covering Fight for the Fallen for me because I had a massive power cable and internet outage due to storms and that sucked. But uh, AEW Fight for the Fallen, we'll start with the pre-show, had a Sunny Kiss versus Peter Avalon. Your thoughts? Well, it was the match that was booked exclusively to piss Jim Cornette off, right? That's basically the whole story behind that? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, just to piss him off. It was it was a match. I don't have a lot to say about it. I mean, the librarian gimmick, I, I don't completely despise it like a lot of people do. They're just mad at the idea of having a gimmick. And it, it's something for those two to do. I, I don't hate it or despise it or anything. But Peter Avalon, is, he's a guy. He's a guy. He's just kind of there. He's in the role probably to lose matches to guys like Sonny Kiss. So, uh, uh, Sonny Kiss, uh, you know, young. how long has Sonny Kiss been around? Does Sonny have a long uh, history in the business? Do we I know? do not know. I can, I'll can. i try to look it up while you're... I, I'm going to guess that Sonny's still early on in, in, in Sonny's career. Still has some work to do, it seemed like, to me. 
uh, big finish was the uh, the old uh, the crotch leg drop is a thing. Hell no, not really my cup of tea. I I don't know how big you are on the Exotico matches, Larry, down in Mexico. Those are definitely hit or miss for me, and uh, this one was a miss for me. I'll be honest, just didn't do a whole lot, didn't do a whole lot for me. Just um, to piss Jim Cornette off, as far as I can tell. That's kind of what it feels like in a way, but I mean, yeah, it's that's like during Janela's match when he did that apron DVD spot and yelled out "fuck Jim Cornette." So yeah, but I mean, what are you gonna do? Um, yeah, um, like Peter Avalon's fine. He's a way better wrestler than Leva Bates, so at least this match came off as passable. Um, I <laughs> thought it was okay. Um, I, I like Sunny Kiss for the fact that uh. Really charismatic. I think he can be a really good, um, like, opening act. At, you know, because he's really charismatic and get the crowd into it. I think he's pretty good at times. And uh, I think from what I can tell, he's been wrestling since 2013. Okay. And so, so presenting something different, which is always appreciated, too. Yeah. So, um, but no, I think it's like a, kind of like an, an opening act type thing. I mean, you, you need opening act stuff. You need, like... You need like an R Truth, a No Way Jose, somebody with charisma that gets the crowd into things, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I don't think necessarily Sonny Kiss will be like a like a huge star, but I think he has a lot of charisma and can definitely have a role on the card, no matter who he ends up pissing off. And we also got an appearance from Jackson Deville, one of our favorite NFL mascots. So that was good. Oh yeah, there you go. I mean, why not? Uh, next up was the ladies tag, uh, Baker and Nakajima versus, uh, B Priestley and, uh, no, Baker and Rio, sorry, versus yes. B Priestley and Nakajima. Uh, I thought it was like solid, uh, pretty good at times. Uh, Britt Baker got knocked loopy with concussion early in the match. And, uh, is that was, what happened there? Because I noticed there's that one spot where she went to a completely wrong corner to get a tag. Yeah, she got that knocked. Uh, I guess B kicked her right in the face and concussed her. And uh, I, uh, I thought B Priestley's uh, performance was pretty sloppy at times. And like she was kind of over and everything. I think the fans liked her, but not exactly a breakout performance in my eyes. Um, I thought as as far as uh, the so far the buy-in stuff has definitely been hit or miss. I thought this is. This is a good step in the right direction. I was impressed with, uh, I thought Priestley did pretty well. I, I, I like Shoko's stuff. Uh, Rio was pretty fun. Britt was kind of hit or miss, as you said, due to that concussion. It looks like they're trying to do something with her and uh, Priestley going forward, some kind of some kind of angle there. Uh, lots of stuff going on for the AW women. Uh, there's some more of that a little bit later on. May not they're the best showing for the division tonight, but this was the better of the two matches. I think we could agree on that. I will definitely agree on that. Uh, by the way, apparently I got heat for saying that the venue looked cool. I uh, I said that in my review, yeah. and somebody quoted that and said, that's how you know this is going to be a shitty review. <laughs> I think... Uh, well, I think that's... Uh, well, are they... Uh, the one way I could kind of read that is that if you're if you're stretching for compliments so much to kind of maybe they think you're stretching too far for compliments maybe I don't know. It, it I don't was one line, all I wrote, four yeah, exactly. words. Well, the menu looks cool. That's all well, I you said. Know, people are gonna find things to comment on. I'm sure they did with mine as well. I I don't read comments, Larry. Come on now. Yeah, but I just thought it was funny that like somebody took like such umbrage with that that they had to get all upset. It's like it's kind of like a throwaway comment. I. Yeah, we have a lot of people. 
a lot of people are getting upset about things these days uh, <laughs> with the various promotions over various uh, various things, which I, I know we'll probably get more upset later on why people cannot just enjoy wrestling in general and have to be all wrapped up in uh, whatever promotion it is. I mean, it's, it's just their their viewpoints are based on who's putting the show on. I don't know. Yeah, we'll probably talk shame. more about it, that later. There's a lot to enjoy because, like, last weekend was really great with the G1 show and Slammiversary. Really enjoyed both of those shows. And I thought this weekend was a really good weekend overall, too. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so the main show kicked off. MJF, Sean Spears, Sammy Guevara defeated Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, Joey Janela just over 13 minutes via pin. Uh, I thought this was a good match with uh, the exact finish I predicted and hoped for with Sean Spears uh, pinning Darby Allen, the man that Cody could uh, not beat and went to a draw with. I thought that was a good storytelling device to add to their feud. Like, like I said, I liked the match. thought Sammy Guevara got to shine. And uh, I liked MJF's interactions with Spears because MJF is not only an asshole, but he's an asshole to everybody that he just doesn't like. Yes, and uh, I, I I love the interplay with those two because, of course, MGF, the protege of Cody, uh, <laughs> which we don't know where that story's going. It's probably, probably going to end not too well for somebody. But, uh, you know, as long as MGF is Cody's protege and friend and whatnot, he's not going to be happy if Sean Spears split the man up from the steel chair. So I was wondering why they put those th- guys together to begin with, but it did lead to some humorous stuff during the match. Uh, interesting tag team with that with Allen and Jimmy Havoc and Janela. Um, Janela, uh, I don't know if he redeemed himself for getting his butt kicked by Enzo Amore, but he did all right, I would say. Um, Darby Allen, I know you're a lot more familiar with his work than I am. It, it seems like he's he's a I, I, I don't know, kind of goofy looking guy. I guess is that fair to say? Kind of goofy looking guy. Is sure, that is that mean? <laughs> No, I, th- I think a lot of people probably think so. Like, yeah, strange-looking bird, but the kid has a lot of heart. He's, he's willing to take a beating, and I think he has the qualities of a guy that can get over, certainly on the uh, mid-to-mid-card level, at least, as a solid babyface uh, going forward. And I don't think taking the pin really hurt him too much, and, of course, he had the good match with Cody. So this, I, this I'll say it succeeded my expectations. The one downside that I saw was MJF did not cut a pre-match promo. I was not happy about that. Yes, that is a shame. And, you know, Steve, like I said, Darby doesn't really get hurt here, and it was more important for the story they were telling. And sometimes you just have to sacrifice people, and we will talk about that later. Mm-hmm. So you just you have to make decisions which are best for the, uh, your story and your main angles going through uh, forward and everything. And Sean Spears and Cody is the direction. So it just makes sense. It's a great bragging tool for Spears. You couldn't beat this little punk. I pinned him when you couldn't. It's simple. It's easy. It's, you know, it's not overly complicated, which is often for the best. And you got to think later on, Darby will probably get a chance to shine against the guy. Exactly. Uh, Next up, Brandy Rhodes with Awesome Kong in her corner defeated Allie at 11 minutes via pin. Steve Cook, I go to you for your thoughts. (laughs) Well, um, there's an interesting build to this match. There was the road to the fights for a fallen show where he had Brandy talking about how her figure skating career was a miserable failure, about how her early wrestling career was difficult, and how how she got into her own head about how she... How she came up short in the big situations because she was she was so down on herself, but she was going to turn things around and she was going to step up to the plate in this match, trying to make a big old bay face out of herself. 
And sure enough, right after they shake hands, uh, here comes Awesome Kong to be the heavy for Brandy Rhodes. Which, you know what? I'll tell you this, Larry Zonka. If Brandy had Awesome Kong around during her figure skating career, she would have done pretty good. She would have been all right, you know? <laughs> I mean, Tanya Harding made a career out of that, right? Having people around to take people out for her. Fair enough. So, un- <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, <laughs> she came around a little bit too late for that. But uh, here in the on the wrestling side of things, Brandy and Allie going at it. I mean, I'm a big Allie fan. I think she does a pretty good job most of the time. And she did her best here. She tried. She tried. And Brandy kind of is what she is as far as her in-ring ability goes. And uh, it went 11 minutes, and it felt like it was a lot longer, to be honest. And uh, eventually Brandy gets the win. And uh, the high point of the match, of course, is after the match when Brandy and Awesome Kong beat up Allie. And here comes none other than the Japanese wrestling legend herself, Aja Kong. That's right. They had the, the they had the big Kong off post match, and yes, uh, I wrote in my review that it must be nice to have fly Aja Kong from Japan for a three minute angle fuck you style money. <laughs> I mean, I'm totally jealous. Very I mean, nice. I mean, I wish I had that money, but uh, Brandy and Allie, uh, I did not like it. Did not think it was good. Felt they turned Brandy into a like Stephanie McMahon clone. Just like a horrible... The Dollar, the Dollar Tree Stephanie McMahon was the phrase I saw thrown on Twitter the week before. That, so That's a good one. Uh, match wasn't good. You know, Brandy wrestling looks like somebody trying to wrestle underwater. It went too long. And God damn, the booking of Allie has been so bad so far. They sabotaged her with a Leva Bates match. Yeah. They give her this. It's like, you would think that like you you take the time to like sign her so she won't sign with Impact again. And, and you know what? It's rare that Impact actually books somebody better than uh, their competition. But uh, well, they they booked Bobby Lashley better, and now you've seen that they booked Allie better. Yeah, definitely so far. But yeah, her booking's been horrible. Uh, the uh, the Aja Kong, Awesome Kong thing, uh, you know, never been done in the U.S. Um, it'll like the the crowds, the AEW crowds have reacted really well to like Aja Kong and the Joshi so far. Yeah. So I think like R wise, they'll get away with a lot in that match without doing a ton because oh, yeah. you know Awesome Kong is obviously not what she was a while ago during like the Gail Kim feud. She's had back issues and stuff. Uh, Aja Kong can still go pretty well, but I mean, on just on aura alone and crowd reaction, they'll get away with a lot, and that uh, should be interesting and possibly an all out match. I would think. Yeah, I, I would say so, and. Uh... I do think that Brandy has plenty of good qualities, but I also think that they don't really play to towards any of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, next up was uh, the winners of this match move on to All Out to face Best Friends. The yeah. winner of that match gets a bye in the first round of the tag team tournament. Uh, this was the Dark Order versus Jack Evans and Angelico and Helico versus Land of the Lost, Jungle Boy, and the Luchasaurus. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. You know what? Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, that's a fun pairing right there. Isn't it? Dude, uh, yes. They're oh. so that's fun much and fun. A half. Fun and a half right there. They, Those two have the potential to be big old stars in this promotion. If they market them right, if they do the right things with them, those two can be big, big time. Uh, always been a big Jack Evans fan. I, I just like the guy. He flips a lot. It's cool. He's got that... Kind of got that... That white boy, douchey kind of charisma about him. Always a good time. And Helica is very talented. And, uh, well, the Dark Order. Let's talk about these guys for a minute. 
you might remember them as the Super Smash Brothers in various indie indie promotions, and here they are with uh, a bunch of random guys, creepers. They're creepers, right, Larry? They're called creepers. That came out with them and were like doing weird poses and shit. You got Stu Grayson, he used to be called Stupefied, and then Evil Uno, as opposed to Player Uno. My theory was that Evil Uno grew out of his old outfit. Quite possibly. <laughs> I think it's what happened there. But this is uh this is a balls out match right here. They they threw everything in the kitchen sink out there. The people loved it. You had Marcus Stunt around there jumping around like an idiot. I I don't know what's going on there, but uh very high on Jungle Boy, high on the Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus one of the big the big guy there. And uh yeah, Dark Order gets the win. They're talented tag team. Don't get me wrong, these guys have got a lot of skill. Um, and as far as the gimmick goes, I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure it's something that plays their strengths, but at the same time, I, I'm kind of willing to give it a chance to see what they can do with it, at least. Yeah, I thought the match was really good. Dark Order won at just under 15 minutes. Really good, especially for a late addition to the card. Dark Order winning made the most sense because the whole thing since they came in was they've been targeting best friends. And that was teased it's starting back at double or nothing. So it makes sense to book that match for All Out. But the act just, it doesn't feel over, you know? It's like, they're a great team. I love them. But just like the act right now is just, I don't know if don't, it's a combination of the gimmick sucks or people just don't know who they are. Or I think it's, yeah, I think it's, they don't know. I don't think it's been, it's it been properly fleshed out, at least from what I've seen. I'm not really sure what yeah. exactly the Dark Order is supposed to be. Uh, there are two dudes with a bunch of gimps at ringside. Yeah, like, I, like there, is there more to that? Is, is there a goal <laughs> in mind other than messing with the best friends? Is there, well, what's going on there? Yeah, I don't know. And like, I wrote in my review is like, like again, Dark Order winning makes the most sense because of the established story. But when I was watching this match, all I could think of about three fourths of the way through is like, Jesus Christ, you got to put over the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Like, call the goddamn Audible, you know? It's like, yeah, Because yeah. th- those dudes are over big. And like you said, like, you market them right. And here's the thing. If you can actually get a kid's audience to start watching, because, oh, yeah. like, the kid's demographic is really low for wrestling right now. It's skewed so older. But if mm-hmm. you can actually get some kids to watch, these are the kind of guys you can market to kids. The big-ass Luchasaurus and his little jungle buddy? It's a good time. It's a good time. I enjoy it. And uh, I know they're trying to explain the Dark Order thing on commentary a little bit. I think they're they're supposed to be all pissed off because they couldn't get out of Canada, pretty much. Like I don't know if they couldn't get visas. You know how they've yeah, had problems. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that was the basic thing, why they weren't wrestling in the U.S. I mean, Yeah, so I kind of hinted that, and then I think JR's line about it was, well, why aren't they mad at their parents? Yeah, it was, just, it was like the weirdest commentary. Like, they're angry because they couldn't get out of Canada. And then you have Alex Marvez, who was sitting there like a half-asleep robot bot most of the time. It's like, dude, are you awake? <laughs> Meanwhile, Excalibur's like, Jesus Christ, my back hurts. I'm carrying this fucker. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll talk about it. We'll jump on it right now. I mean, the performance of Jim Ross definitely seems to uh, be polarizing. To, to various fans, to various fans, a lot of fans just think that Jr. needs to go out and call it a career. They've thought that for like ten years now. I don't mind him so much, Larry. I don't know. It just he doesn't bother me as much as he seems to bother a lot of people. I don't know if it's because they want to remember Jr. in his prime. 
I mean, I remember Goran Soli calling 1990s WCW stuff. He wasn't very good then either, you know? Now, J- Jim Ross is like, he's better than he was when he was calling the New Japan stuff. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't give a shit there. Yeah, and like, he was really great calling like the Dustin Cody match. So it's like, there are still flashes of really great Jim Ross in there. And like, then sometimes when they throw weird shit out there, it's going to, it's, and he'll just, he won't do it, you know? Yeah. And then, but like, I just, I don't see the obsession with a fucking three man booth and wrestling. It annoys me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you don't need Marvez at all. Excalibur is like really, really good. Jim Ross, when he's in like the right match setting can be really good. Yeah, and the thing is, is like Jim Ross will even kind of fuck around with Excalibur. Cause like there was, there was a match, like I think it was the last show. I think Chuck Taylor hit the Falcon arrow and Excalibur was like, Chucky e. T with the Falcon arrow. And Jim Ross goes, Nobody kicks out of the Falcon Arrow Excalibur. That's right. And he totally deadpanned it like the straight man. And I about died because it's like, you don't expect Jim Ross to do that. But that was funny. So it's like, yeah, it's like, I would just, I'd be fine with those two. Just, yeah, Jared does it. He does his research, man. Like, Marvez <laughs> is like, I saw they were doing like some backstage interview stuff with him. Let him do that. He seems good for that. He's yeah. just not a good commentator. Uh, I mean... And to be fair, Alex Marvez, this is what is—it's uh, his second show doing this. So I mean, I'm—I'd be okay with giving him a little time to figure it out. And I'm not sure if the best time to do that is when you're trying to debut your promotion. But at the same time, I don't want to completely throw the guy under the bus because you know he's trying. I'm sure he's trying, dude. But I mean, you're about to hit TV soon, and you can't—you can't afford to have a bad commentary booth. Well, do do you can apparently. Well, when you have $2.3 billion in fuck you TV money, you can afford to do a lot of stupid shit. They have a lot. I, I wonder how the rest of their commentators are across the across the nations. I noticed that the Germans were the other, only other guys with a three-man booth. I'm kind of surprised they hadn't worked that into the other countries either. Yeah, I don't know. So. Next up, Steve Cook. One of your top contenders for the AEW Championship. The man who will face Chris Jericho at All Out. Yes. Hangman Page. Yeah. Defeated Kip Sabian in 19 minutes <laughs> via pin. Now let me let me let me talk about this. I, in my preview, and Jeremy and I talked about this. We talked about the goal of this match was to put Paige over as much as you could, like a big star, because yes. up until this point, he really hasn't been. Paige is really great. He's always getting better. I think he has a ton of potential. But he won like a sketchy battle royal. Then he won a f- random four-way match. And now he's facing just like random undercard guy who won a buy-in match. So no offense to Kip Sabian. The match was in no way about him. This match was all about Hangman Page. And I don't want to hear that, well, they were teasing a draw or... They wanted to protect Kip Sabian and keep him strong. No, fuck Kip Sabian. He was not the priority here. This match was completely fucking baffling to me. Paige is about the challenge for the championship against Chris Jericho. And I'm sorry, I know some people don't like Jericho, but Chris Jericho is a fucking star. So the goal of this match should have been to make Adam Page look like a biggest star as you could, and like a legit threat to Jericho. Not going long with Kip Sabian working a 50-50 match. It just makes no sense. 
the the card positioning didn't help because they came after a crazy tag match, and then they worked like a really slow plotting match. Oh yeah. And then everybody's like, "Well, you can't expect Paige to run rub shot. They're selling that he still has an injured knee." Why? They said before the show his knee's fine. Why would you even bring that in when you're trying to build up a match with Chris Jericho that you're trying to sell pay-per-view buys to? Well, I mean, Becky Lynch had that big knee injury work her way into WrestleMania, and we saw how well that went. Yeah, the angle went the shit in the last two months. <laughs> See, the one thing, I mean, and one of the common criticisms of, uh, I can't even say that word, criticisms of WWE, is a 50-50 booking, right? Don't we all complain about their 50-50 booking, about how people win, people lose, and it just goes back and forth to the point where nobody cares. Nobody stands out because nobody gets over. And that's been one of our complaints with WWE for years. And if I, if somebody was to launch an alternative to WWE, I would think that one of their priorities would be not to focus so much on the 50-50 booking because people don't like that shit. But it looks like All Elite Wrestling, uh, from what I can tell from uh, most of their matches, they are not in the business of uh, booking matches around getting one person over. Everybody's got to have a good showing. Everybody's got to do all their stuff. And everybody's got to try to get over. Which is, I I can understand why you're doing that, because you try to encourage the roster. I understand that. You're trying to encourage these guys to go out there and do their thing. But then sometimes you have to put that aside. Like when you're trying to build up Adam Page for a match with Chris Jericho. And yeah, some people don't like Chris Jericho. But also, yeah, it's you need to try to put Adam Page on Chris Jericho's level. Because right now, if you're just sitting there, if, you're, if you don't know nothing about you know New Japan or ROH or any of that stuff, you've never seen Adam Page before, you're kind of wondering, why the heck should I think this guy's on Chris Jericho's level? And they need to prove that he is by having good showings against guys like Chris Sabian. Like yeah, Chris Sabian. Kip Sabian. Bring in Chris Sabian. Why not? What's he doing? Oh, he's, is he still injured probably? I don't I know. I think so. Yeah, but yeah, they should get him. But anyway, yeah, he should have be run over guys like Kip Sabian. If you really want people to think that Adam Page is a snowball's chance in hell against a guy who is considered by some one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. See, I'm basically on board with you 99% on this pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I just I just think that, like, you go into matches with certain goals, and it seemed like the goal here was pretty simple. Adam Page wins a, a you know, you can have a good match in nine minutes. That's yep. all you needed. And, they could cut a lot of that early portion, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, I, I think that they, it lacked intensity, and they totally missed the mark on what the goal was here. And the thing that shocked me was, is like, you know, you, you, they did a post-match angle with Jericho. He attacked as a Dark Order crawler and laid out Paige with Codebreaker and Judas Effect and busted him open. Yeah. If, if I'm Chris Jericho, who, I mean, you know, by all accounts is a pretty fucking smart guy, and you're in the back and you're looking at the rundown sheet and it says, Hangman Page over Kip Sabian in 19 minutes. <laughs> Don't you go like, well, uh, guys... Um, hang on a second. Number one, whose idea is this? And Jericho's number two is probably, no offense, who's Kip Sabian? Sure. Because it's like, his focus is just Adam Page, man. It's like, yeah, I was just, it just baffled me, Steve. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, and uh, speaking of of, uh, Judas Effect Elbow, 
I think Jericho has figured out at this point in his career that the best way for him to get over is by stiffing guys, it looks like. Hey, whatever works, man. <laughs> Poor Kenny Omega's nerves. Poor kid Adam Page's eye. Like, you know, you got you got to work a little a little snug. I get it, Chris. That's all right. I, I don't hate it. I, now, I saw the reports, and I don't know what to make of that, where I guess they were saying that Jericho is supposed to cut that promo after this match, and then, like, he didn't. Like, it slipped his mind or something? or I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> It's hard to tell with these wacky kids these days. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wacky kids. Yeah. Next up, the, the Lucha Bros uh, defeated SCU 15 minutes. Uh, really good tag match. Lucha Bros are pretty much a lock along with SCU to have really good tag matches all the time. They yep. worked well together. Uh, Kazarian and Sky developed into like a really good duo because, I mean, for the most part, it used to be Kaz and Daniels all the time. But uh, these two have really developed into a good team. Love the Lucha Bros. Uh, just really fun stuff. They needed a win here, and they got it because they had been uh, technically 0-2, losing to the Bucks and then losing to the Elite on the last show in the six-man. So uh, they needed the win here, and uh, the big story was the post-match where they busted out a ladder and challenged the Young Bucks to a ladder match at All Out, which, according to commentary and other reports, will be for the AAA tag titles again. Sure. I see no issue with that at all. Nothing wrong with that. Ladder matches, titles, uh, seems like a lock to me. And just like the Lucha Brothers are locked to have a good match anytime they're out there, pretty much. I mean, uh, may you know of some matches they had that weren't so good, but every time I see them, they go out there and deliver. And, of course, when you talk about SCU, you're talking about three veterans there. And I know Kazarian and Sky became – I know they got the team more in ROH with when Daniels was doing his singles thing. And they have developed into really good teams, as you expect from guys who have uh, worked together for a large portion of their lives at this point. Yeah, it's a, and again, it's like I think a lot of people downplay like the veteran card sometimes, but like it's like you know Daniels and Kaz and Sky all still delivering really well, and just you know having really good and fun tag matches. And they're extending each other's careers too. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, they got their little supporting cast, and they can have their they can do tag matches, and they can switch out and do whatever they need to do. And they can they can keep doing this for a long time, from what, I, from what I see. Exactly, and there's nothing wrong with that. I saw the one complaint was like, oh, the Bucks and the Lucha guys in a ladder match. It's just going to be a giant clusterfuck spot fest. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, um, <laughs> isn't that, for the most part, every ladder match ever? Yep. I mean, and you know what? Here's the other thing. If you book the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, aren't you expecting a fast-paced spot fest of some kind anyway? One would think. I mean, that's kind of like the style, and that's. I think that was a little bit of the problem with the main event, too, is that uh, I think people were expecting like a Young Bucks match. Ah, uh, see, that's 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 where people were wrong. Exactly. And yeah. I was expecting more of what we got. I was expecting kind of what we got too. I just didn't expect it to go so long. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, really good tag match. I liked it. Another setup for an all-out match, and that's that's good. Kenny Omega versus Shima up next. Kenny Omega won twenty-three minutes via pin. I thought it was really good. I thought it was very enjoyable. I love seeing Shima get a chance to shine against Kenny Omega here. I thought he's been really good in uh, AEW so far. 
I know I upset some Dragon Gate fans when I talked about him being a bit spammy with the Meteoras because in Dragon Gate you use 800 variations of your finisher. And yeah, I, I, I forgot that, so I'm a bad person. That annoyed me too. But I thought yeah. I, I thought it became a little much and a little repetitive. I said it would have been better with about 15 less, 15 less Meteoras. Yeah. I, it, anyway. I, I didn't think the match was bad or anything. It's just like I think if you cut it down a little bit, take a minute or two off the time, I think it's an even better match. That's Maybe all. Maybe use a different move once in a while, sure. Yeah. And we just got to see our timekeeper, Dasha, during the match, which I appreciated. Yeah, Dasha. I was wondering, I was wondering where she went. <laughs> yeah, I, I think somebody. I think she's dating Justin Roberts. I was going to say, she. Uh, I was guessing there was some kind of connection there with one of them, and good for Justin Roberts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good on him. Rather Not rock on with your bad stuff. Yeah, and then Omega, Omega did need he needed the win here. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. they're they're pushing how he hadn't won a singles match yet, and at a certain point, you gotta you gotta have your big guns win these type of types of matches. And I don't think Chima's gonna be a, a full time guy here. I would I wouldn't expect him to be anyway. No, I think I think he's gonna be mostly full time, but he's gonna work. He's mostly gonna do like trios and tags with Strong Hearts and like some of the other OWE guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not going to be like a featured singles guy. So, yeah, he can take the loss here. And he has like 55 years of ring experience, too, and a certain credibility with this type of fan base. Exactly. Uh, so here was the uh, the Chris Jericho was uh, promo was up next. That Depending on the reports, you believe, he forgot to cut earlier in the show. He uh, called the place the White Trash Riviera and... Uh, Jack offville instead of Jacksonville. Jack, Jacksonville, yeah. Yeah, he he was having a good time and uh you know, he said he was gonna get his thank yous by beating the crap out of every single person in all elite wrestling, starting with Paige. Uh and then he basically said that they wouldn't be here, they wouldn't be getting T V and on like BR Live without him and you know, he just he wants his well deserved thank yous. Just being a complete douchebag like he should be. Sure. And it's like the thing is is like Jericho, he has to work, like, extra hard at these promos. And I don't mean that as a slight, but, like, he's in that stage of his career that, like, people really like Chris Jericho and have a lot of respect for him. It's kind of like... We want to cheer him. Yeah, it's like late career Ric Flair. When everyone's like, why does WCW keep turning Flair back babyface? Because nobody wants to fucking boo Ric Flair. He's 48 and awesome. It's like nobody wanted to boo Ric Flair, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like, so he, he has to work really hard. I thought he did a good job here. Uh, just, you know, burying the fans, burying Paige, burying the venue, and just, you know, basically saying that if he doesn't beat Paige, AEW will shut down and, it, you know, it'll be all shit. And <coughs> called Paige a little bitch, and that's when Adam Page arrived. Yeah, yeah call him a little bitch. Fighting words, Steve. That's right. Uh, so they, they had a little pool apart. Jerry Lynn and the referee crew broke them up. Some wrestlers arrived. Fans chanted, thank you, Hangman. <laughs> I thought overall it was good, but um, I thought the page retaliation would have gotten over a lot bigger. And I just, it didn't feel like it. Well, I mean, part of that was because he was out there for 19 minutes or with Kip Sabian. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, people were to think we're beating a dead horse, but I th- that's it. So again, you got to do something to impress people, man. Yeah, I mean, again, you're you have people that are watching the show, like you said before, Steve, that probably didn't watch ROH or watch New Japan, and 
They don't know who the fuck Hangman Page is. You know, they know who Chris Jericho is. So it's like, you got to do what you can. And I just, I think they've really failed Adam Page in the build up here. Yeah, they could have done that. Could have done that a bit better. And it kind of tells you, I got to tell you going into All Out, that it seems like Jericho is the easy pick to be champion. I I would think that would be the smart move. Especially with Page not, I, I mean, you can build up Page a little bit later, I suppose, but... Jericho's got to be a first champion, I would think. It feels that way. It really does. I think, number one, it's he's a name, and number two, it's just they haven't built Paige up enough. So, yeah. And then we moved on, Steve, into our main event. The Young Bucks defeated Cody and Dustin Rhodes. 31 minutes or so, big yeah. pin. Yes, uh, so I will go to you for your thoughts first. You know what? I mean, when I hear 30-minute main events, I think of... Uh, the Young Bucks home promotion for so many years, PWG. I always thought that PWG main events were kind of like the director's cuts of like a solid wrestling main events where there would be like a bunch of added on stuff that the, you know, you know how the studio always makes those, the directors take stuff out to shorten that movie down a little bit to make it more palatable for the mainstream audience. And PWG matches to me were always like that where they just do all the things and all the things and all the things and have a match usually 10 minutes longer than it should have been, at least. Sometimes longer with PWG. But, yeah, these guys, I mean, I'm not knocking the match. I thought I thought, I thought some, some good stuff. They did a lot, they did a lot, of, uh, a lot of their, lot of their stuff. They, I, saw the, I saw the Jackson sell more than I ever had before, to be honest with you. I've never seen a Jackson sell an arm for that long. That was kind of crazy. So, so that, that's some good stuff there. But like you said... Like I said, I, it just it was too long. That is my main complaint with this whole show. Honestly, if you shave off a minute here, you shave off a couple minutes here, make it more compact. I think you just have a better show overall. Not to diminish the efforts of the Bucks, or certainly of Dustin. Oh, God bless Dustin Rhodes, man. He needs to stick around, honey. Oh, that fuck guy. Yeah. Oh man, he, and he can still he can still go for years and years. It looks like right now. And Cody, of course, him and Dustin make a great team. But it's the right decision because the Young Bucks are the top tag team in the promotion. And some might say in the world. We'll find out, I guess, with the Lucha Brothers and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, easy choice there. And I liked, I probably liked the match a lot more than some people did because it, it wasn't a Young Buck-style match. Quite, It wasn't quite as Young Bucky as people were probably hoping for. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um it didn't need to be 30 minutes. I really like both teams, and I'm all for the Bucks. You know, slowing down every once in a while, working a different style match, telling a different story. Um, but uh, it came off as a bit self-indulgent, you know, just going that long for the sake of going long. And crowd was feeling tired, and I, it just yeah. it needed editing. You know, you, you cut 11 Rex minutes cut, off man. of it. Go around 20 minutes. You know, get all your stuff. That's fine. You can still tell a really good story in 20 minutes. You don't. You know, it's like I, I talk about, so even with New Japan sometimes, like, you don't always need a 35-minute Okada match. Like, he had, like, his uh, G1 match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. was, like, I think it was, like, 12 or 13 minutes this morning. It was fucking great. Well, I yeah. mean, with Zack Sabre Jr. and Okada, I yeah. would assume so. But, I mean, but awesome. it's just the point that you don't have to go 30. And some people were like, I don't understand why you gave a 9-minute match four stars and then you gave this 27-minute match four stars. Well, it's like uh, there's not like a sliding scale to where you calculate uh, the time. I mean, 
My only thing is, like, if a match doesn't hit three minutes, I don't really think you have enough time to do anything. You know, and right. I, I tend not to rate it then. But, like, other than that, I don't see, like, time as a restriction. I, I think going too long can really hurt you, and I think yep. it did here. But, like I said, I thought it was good. I liked a lot of the stuff they did. And, like you said, director's cut is maybe a good term for it, because, like I said, it needs editing. Edit it down a little bit, keep a lot of the great ideas they had, same story, and it's even better. Yeah, and uh, I think there was a short match we'll talk about a little bit later on the show that I think we would both get five stars to, because that was just probably the best match of the whole weekend. Yeah, so that will be on our next <laughs> review. And then they, <laughs> they they closed up, and uh, they donated $150,000 to the charity to, uh, that they were doing the show for, so it was a nice feel-good moment. And uh, Like you said, unfortunately, I think the uh, big criticism overall, kind of get final thoughts here, I thought it was an overall good show. Far from perfect, and I thought it was the weakest of the three shows so far. Um, it felt long. It didn't need to be that long. Like, the main show without the pre-show stuff was like three hours and 30-some minutes. So then you add in the pre-show, and you're over four hours. So too long. Um, they, they still have stuff to figure out before they hit TV. The page booking was baffling to me. thought the Brandy Rhodes stuff was bad, but I thought there was a lot of good wrestling on the show, and it was enjoyable. And I, I like the show. It's just, obviously, there's work to do. And like you said, uh, you brought up the point. You need to learn when to, you know, we both said it. You need to learn when to sacrifice people, when you need to go. This is what we need to do. This is who needs to get over. This is what needs to be done, bottom line. And yeah. it's going to be growing pains. Um, yep. Because they're, this is a new thing for a lot of the people involved running the company. You can have all the great ideas in the world, but execution is what counts in the end. Oh, yeah. You can draw up a lot of great ideas on paper. No doubt about that. And then w- once the day of the show arrives, then you, re- then you realize, well, shit, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> now we got to throw it all out. The uh, the ending thing, I, you know, the the whole the charity thing was good, was good to do. But, man, that was just so awkward with uh, the Young Bucks doing their post-match speech about how it was nothing personal with the roads and all that. And then all of a sudden the music starts playing and they all come down. And Cody gives this big big speech about how they can't be counter, counter-programmed. And Kenny has to try to make up a new catchphrase. That was, it just came off really awkward to me. Not may not the best way to end your best note to end your show on. I feel like you might have been better served to just kind of may just leave that for the live crowd, and then may later on you could have like the little clip online of Cody cutting this anti WWE promo and kind of get some buzz that way. Yeah, and I'm not a. I really wish they'd kind of knock that shit off. I just mm-hmm. I don't think you should focus. I, fucking focus on your own goddamn product. That's what we used to say about TNA for years. I used whenever somebody would debut and come out and point at the ring and then their first big promo. Yeah. Back in New York, you know, the fucking <laughs> WCW promo. It's like it's like, no, nobody fucking gives a shit. And don't give me this bullshit of, oh well that was the best part of the Monday Night Wars. No. Okay, I don't care. I want WWE to be really good. I want AEW to be really, really good. I want Impact to be really, really good. I want ROH to be really, really good. I don't need them fucking talking about each other. I just need them to focus on their own bullshit because they all do plenty wrong. Yep. Fix your own shit. Don't throw fucking stones at glass houses and all that bullshit. Just get your shit in order. 
Well, fortunately, they have some more time to get their shit in order before the TV show starts in October, and they, they got the All Out show coming up here at the beginning of September. Uh, end end of August, actually. End of August. Well, end yeah. of August, beginning of September, pretty close. S- same day as the uh, the uh, UK NXT UK takeover. Ah, uh, yeah. Which runs earlier in the day, not technically head to head. But yeah, it's not counter program. That's the, the that is something I wonder too. When people are like, "Oh my God, they decided to run that show the same day," it's like. For God's sakes, it's different time, different time zones. They won't be on the same time. Fuck. Oh, if anything, they're more counter-programming New Japan, who's running Royal Quest show at the same time. See, there you in go. London, so. So, uh, yeah, so that was uh, AEW Fight for the Fallen. Thought it was a good show, Steve. I thought it was a pretty solid show. I saw a lot of people talking down on it on the interwebs, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I liked it for the most part. There were a few minor complaints, and... There's always going to be a few minor complaints, but I still think for the most part they're kind of moving in the right direction. And there are some people that I'm uh, in the promotion I'm interested to see, and I'm going to be excited to see what they produce here on, on TNT. Yeah, one thing I saw uh, making the rounds on the Twitter is, you know, like apparently Dustin is getting really involved backstage trying to help younger talent. Good. And apparently the one thing I saw is apparently he's taking young Sonny Kiss under his wing. Well, I mean, Dustin definitely has some experience working that type of character. Yeah, which, I mean, I, I think that's a great idea, and just not only from a character standpoint, but to help with in-ring and everything, and that's just... Yeah, Dustin's such a valuable guy to have around. I I never expected him until AEW came around to leave WWE, because I always thought that he would transition to a trainer in NXT, which I think he would have been great at. But, um, hey, you know, he's going to go somewhere else and he's going to work still and have some good matches and help other people out, which I think is also just excellent. The more people that get helped out, the better. Exactly. So, Steve Cook, we will now move on to WWE Extreme Rules 2019. Yeah. Extreme. That's right. We started off pre-show matches. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Finn Balor to win the Intercontinental Championship to kick us off. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining about this because, you know, there, there's the whole preconception of, well, if it's on the pre-show, it doesn't matter. I think the idea is decide they're going to win the pre-show wars, to be honest with you. Because, you know, all the buy-ins are getting all this negative publicity and stuff, and the idea decide, hey, let's throw our good, some of our good stuff on the kickoff show. And, uh, you know, for people like me to have a tough time staying up late anyway, why not have a good match or two early on in the show? So I, I was all for that. I had no problem with uh, their their match order here. Nakamura is a guy, I mean, I think we've all uh, said our piece about Nakamura's WWE run so far. It hasn't lived up to expectations because we actually expected him to, you know, do it like everything he did in New Japan and not being over here to collect a paycheck. But, uh, you know, he, he does what he does. I do feel a little bad for Finn Balor, though, because it just feels like he's just, his star's just completely fallen off ever since, honestly, the move to SmackDown, I think. It doesn't feel like he's been the same guy since he moved over to that show. I don't remember. I, I can't name. I cannot name you a thing Finn Balor's done since moving to SmackDown. He feuded with Andrade. He was the demon in Saudi Arabia, and that's it. Uh, see? Yeah, I, be, I, I don't remember any of that. I'm sorry. Just well, yeah, no. I mean, that's I can understand why. That's pretty much it. 
and there was a point where it seemed like they're they're featuring him on on Raw. It seemed like he is a guy they had a lot, but they saw a lot of things. And for God's sakes, he wrestled Brock Lesnar the freaking Royal Rumble. And uh, ever since then, it's just been kind of this uh this continuous drop for him. And now he's uh opening up the pre-show, which I which is not as bad a position as people say, but at the same time, it's nowhere near where we thought he would be at this point. He could be a lot worse off, uh, like someone else later in the card. <laughs> that, that, that's for sure. As far as, the, I, you know, the match was seven minutes, 40 seconds. It was, it wasn't bad. It was a decent little match. Not, it wasn't like the, if these guys faced off in the G1 five years ago, it probably would have been 45 stars or whatever, but one, anything like that, but, uh, Eh, good for Nakamura, his pension, you know. Yep. No, I mean, I, I thought it was good for the time given. Uh, I enjoyed it. it. Nakamura looks a little more motivated that he's back on TV again, and yeah. hopefully that sticks around, and hopefully they actually have fucking plans. That's going to be the yeah. important thing, because, yeah, he can come in and have a couple good matches with Finn, but if there's, like, no fucking follow-up, you know, what's That's- it matter? Yeah, I mean, if this leads to more, if this leads to these guys doing more together, then sure, rock on. I'd be all about it. But if it leads to uh, Nakamura floating along with the Intercontinental title, nobody paying attention, and Finn Balor having some useless feud with somebody that may or may not lead to a demon feud, then yeah, who cares? Yep. Next up was the Cruiserweight Championship match. The good Reverend Drew Gulak defeated Tony Nese, 745 via pin. To retain his title, by the way, make sure you go watch the Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle match from the Evolve show on the network. Great oh, yeah. fucking match. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, again, they didn't get a ton of time, which was a shame because these guys are really good working together. But again, good for the time given. They know how to work with each other. I thought they got, got the most out of it. And uh, Gulak retains, and that's good. I, I need him versus Oni Lorcan Stat. Yes, uh, Gulak versus anybody is something I'm inter- interested in watch- watching right now. Um, and it feels like he's the guy who can- who thrives from not being on Raw or SmackDown. You see him on 205, you see him on N- NXT. I, he might, I don't know if he did the UK thing or not. I know he's on the Evolve show. He's just It seems like he pops up everywhere else just having these great matches. Which, you know, kind of reminds me of, uh, you might recall in 2018, there was a guy named Buddy Murphy. Who was uh, who? <laughs> the... Yeah, exactly. He was like the cruiserweight champion from most of 2018, and he was having these kick-ass matches. Everybody's talking about how great he was. And uh, 2019 turns around, and it's time to call him up to SmackDown. SmackDown. He's on SmackDown, right? <laughs> See, I don't even know because I'm not even sure he's been on the damn show. <laughs> yeah, the the Buddy Murphy thing is just so disappointing because it's like here's the thing. I understand that it looks it's looked at as like a, a big promotion. He's going to get some more money working, theoretically working live events. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're not going to use him, why didn't you just fucking leave him there in 205 uh, Live and have some fucking banger matches with people still until you actually had a goddamn plan for him? Is it better that they don't have a plan for him and just put him on live events? Or what they did with Cedric Alexander last week where they had him dress up under a mask as a janitor and lose the match to Drew McIntyre and then still unmask afterwards like he got one over on them. Like, what oh, that the was, fuck that was, was the that? the worst part is like... What the fuck they, was that? They, they, they unmask him and they're smiling like, <laughs> we fucking showed them. You're like, you lost. <laughs> you lost. You didn't show them anything. 
Yeah. Oh, God, that was annoying. Yeah, actually, Buddy's probably better off not being on TV right now. Exactly. He'd yeah. be job the Shane McMahon to buy a singles match. So. But yeah, but yeah I, but that's saying I was, the point I was going to get to eventually was that I worry that once Drew Gulak eventually gets his call up, which he probably will, he might not end up in that same spot as Buddy Murphy. My God, I hope not. Which where we wonder, we wonder where the hell is Drew Gulak? What happened to that guy? He's too good for that shit. <laughs> yeah, I do think I, I think he's better than Buddy Murphy. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. So hopefully he can rise above it. We shall see. All right, so we kicked off the pay-per-view proper with a no-holds-bar match. The Undertaker and the big dog Roman Reigns defeated Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. 16-55 via pin in a shockingly, to me, very good match. You know what? Um, I think it showed the proper way to book The Undertaker in 2019. I wrote you, the same thing in my review, dude. You are correct. You, you put him in a tag team match. You put him with a bunch of guys that can. Uh, you put him with a bunch of guys that can help him out and hide his weaknesses. I mean, Roman Reigns is still a pretty darn good wrestler at this point. I, I think. I think he's all right. How do you feel about the Graveyard Dog Dogs team name? That sounded stupid as hell. Yeah, it sounds stupid, but. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I like the idea of them teaming and having something to do at this level. And, uh, you know, McIntyre is a guy, I'm not, he's not quite as far along as I would have thought at this point, but he can still, he can still do the work. He can still make guys look good. There's no, no problem with that. And uh, Shane McMahon's selling was kind of funny. I'll give him that. He looked like he was going to die again out there, just yeah, red face. Which I thought was funny. Death. I got some humor out of that. <laughs> And then Elias came out and didn't do much of usefulness. Uh, I, I did notice how, if you looked at Undertaker and Roman Reigns and Elias from the back, how are you supposed to tell these guys apart? I couldn't. They morph into one person. <laughs> they all look like the same guy. The they only thing worse would be throwing Seth hands, Rollins out top, there. With black them. hair. Yeah, throw Seth Rollins out there for four-way, and who knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> so. The universe might collapse on itself if they're on the screen at the same time. Well, that might be coming up soon one of these days. I don't know where, I don't know what Seth's going to be doing here pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, def- this match definitely exceeded my expectations, which weren't particularly high. Now, I don't know how you feel about the placement of this match at the beginning of the show. I thought it was the right move. I thought it was a, a, I thought it was a nice way to start things. But at the same time, uh, some of these matches afterwards, uh, they didn't quite get the same heat. But at the same time... Those matches weren't built as well anyway. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, whether we like it or not, this was a big match that they put a lot of time into building up to. They brought The Undertaker back for it. They wanted the crowd to be as hot as possible for it. Yeah, So they sure. put it on first because, like, you know, you look at the main event reactions and that that crowd was <laughs> so dead for 90% of it. Oh, yeah, and this match would have died in that same slot. Exactly. So, yeah, no, that was a smart move. And, um, yeah, I wrote in my review, too, the same thing. It's like, this is how you need to book Undertaker in 2019. Nobody wants to see him in 20-minute singles matches. All they want is they want the entrance and they want the hits. Yep. They want to see the choke slam, they, maybe a snake eyes, or uh, the fucking old school, a tombstone. That's yeah, all they want to see. Do a leg drop on the apron. Why not? You yeah, know. leg drop on Good the time. apron. They just want to see the hits, man. Nobody wants to see him out there struggling for 20 minutes. And looking like he's going to die and falling all over himself. Or, you know, nearly dying when Goldberg fucking dropped him on his dome in like an all Japan style brain buster when he fucked up the uh, 
jackhammer because he was concussed from hitting the ring post. I mean, nobody wants to see Undertaker that way. Nobody wants to remember him that way. He's still useful. This fans still pop for him. The entrance is still over. Whether I mean, we all love the joke about how long it is, but I mean, it's over. It's over. People like it. Yeah. yeah so I mean, yeah. It's like use him smartly. Bring him back for a tag like this. You know, do the whole. You know, they've said this in the past. He's the conscience of the WWE. Some fucking baby faces are being wrong. The dong hits. Here comes the Undertaker to save the day. Do a fucking trios match. Do a Survivor Series match. Keep them limited. Let them play the hits. Everybody goes home happy, and then it's fine. Yeah. Everybody out. Everybody here came out fine. You know. So yeah, it's just like yeah, a good example. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns looks better because he's getting. I mean, this is actually an instance where Undertaker actually gave Roman Reigns a rub. Yeah. Not like that WrestleMania main event that sucked. Oh, so bad. <laughs> Well, I try to forget that match too, but uh, this this gave Roman more of a rub than that did. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Again, surpassed expectations, thankfully, and a good, very good way to start show. So uh, yeah. next up, Steve Cook. We had the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Revival, defeating the Usos in twelve and a half minutes. Your thoughts? You know what? And I feel like my thoughts on this are going to be opposite than a lot of people people's thoughts on this. I mean, we all love the Revival. We all like the Usos. They're great tag teams. They're very good at what they do inside the ring. At the same time, I watched most of the first portion of this feud with the Revival and the Usos. Um, and watching that feud made me not want to see anything with the Usos and the Revival. The back shaving didn't I, do it for you, huh? No, the back shaving didn't do it for me. The uh, the hot wax, whatever they're doing, where they're oozy hot, man. Oozy yeah, hot, yeah. That that did nothing for me. So uh, yeah, you put the revival, you put the uses. I I don't care. I really don't care. And quite honestly, the the people out there uh, they seem to agree with me because while this was a solid, perfectly solid wrestling match, and they did all their stuff, and the uses had their nice uh, designer sweatpants on and all that, and. Corey and Renee were talking about uh, the Revival's lifestyle. I have no idea what the fuck those two were doing. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it, it was it was just a drop-off, man. That just didn't do anything for me. And I think that's a fair assessment that I saw other people sharing. And it's that's what, you, that's what happens when, you know, you have that booking that can really turn people off. And it doesn't matter what company it is. You do stupid shit like that, and you're going to upset people or just make them not interested. I mean, I enjoyed the match and thought it was really good, but I could totally understand just that shit turning you off and not wanting to see it or not being overly invested in it because that shit really takes it out of you, man. It is hard to care when you're like the feud is started with back shaving skits. It was just so bad. It's just so, so terrible. And I, I just wanted. Nothing to do with it, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's amazing the revival, the, the team that was having all these you know, five-star matches in NXT has been reduced to uh, back-shaving associates of Shane McMahon. Yeah, it is. It really is a shame. And I just, uh, I really wish that they could get away from that shit because that's, that's such like cliche Vince comedy. Ha! Good shit, pal. Good you know, shit, good shit. Ha, ah, pal. So... So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it probably more than you did then, but yeah, I mean, I could totally understand you and others not being into it. It's a fair, fair complaint. Yeah. And that's, that's what the, uh, that, that's what, that's what happens when you, um, create a, you know, a situation where the audience has a lack of faith in your booking. 
And it's just, you do shit like that, and then you take acts that people genuinely tend to like a lot, like the Usos in a revival, and then someone like you who likes them, and then you're just like, eh, nope. Yep, I mean, they could roll it. They, they those two teams could probably do anything at this point. I'd just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, and that's full a shame. match. I mean, fine. I have no complaints about the in-ring product there, but eh. Yeah. So before we talk about the next next match, Steve, I, I know you got to watch the uh, the G One special last weekend on Access TV. Sure. So uh, okay, the next match was Alistair Black defeating Cesaro nine forty five via pin. Yeah. I really liked this. I thought in a way. The reason I thought this really succeeded is because it was a very non-traditional WWE match. To me, this felt like the Ibushi Kenta match last week. Mm. Very, very kind of strike heavy and, you know, non-WWE formula is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. It was definitely not something we traditionally see on these shows. I think the, I think the crowd even was not really sure how to take it, to be honest with you, because it's just so exactly. different. Exactly. Yeah, because it wasn't the it wasn't really basic, you know, start, shine, heat, comeback. I mean, it was it was just like a kind of back and forth fight with the common thread throughout being uh, Alistair Black attacking with leg kicks, which eventually softened Cesaro up towards the end, and he knocked his ass out with Black Mask, got the win, and um, again, see, this is this is what Hangman Page and Kip Sabian should have been yeah. under ten minutes. Cesaro looked good here. He got stuff in, but at the end of the day, there was no doubt Aleister Black was the better man because he knocked him the fuck out. And they, yeah, they should be trying to build Aleister Black at this point, which uh, honestly they did not do a good job of up and up until now. The whole team, the team was Ricochet that got broken up because Reasons. because somebody had to be on the same show with their girlfriend, their wife, I guess. So I don't know what all that was about. <laughs> All the drama going on with that. So I guess that's. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, uh, who knows, man? Yeah, there's a a good match though, and yeah, it didn't it didn't overstay its welcome either, which we always appreciate. Because they could have added on five more minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, but I really so, enjoyed this. I thought they accomplished their goal of uh, putting Black over well in his re debut here for his singles run, and. Uh, Again, uh, like we talked about in Nakamura, now they just have to follow it up. Yeah, do something else with the gentleman. I mean, hell, maybe you may you do Aleister Black and Shinsuke Nakamura here down the road. I was dreading that they were going to do Black and Orton here. Oh. And well, if you want to kill the guy off, then sure, go right ahead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so much to my relief, uh, it was Cesaro, and I thought this was great, though. Good, good times, good times. And speaking of good times, there was a little, there's a little sketch that the next match uh, brings up with uh, some of your good buddies from NXT, the old, the old Street Profits. Well, first how, how, of do all, you, how do you feel about their appearance? Well, hang on. First of all, we had our truth looking for Hornswoggle in the twenty four seven championship. Oh, uh, see, I forgot about that part. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Alexa Bliss gave Nikki a T shirt. Yeah, and then that's when the Street Profits made their random appearance. They're like the WWE chorus. They're just like randomly appearing and commenting on everything and it's i it does nothing for me i liked them i think i think they're really charismatic but it's like you're just backstage saying a bunch of random shit 
Yeah, I, I get you. I mean, they're they're trying to build up the uh, tension between Nikki and Alexa, I suppose, is what they're trying to do there. And one of them wanted to, wanted to party with Nikki, I suppose, which I, good time, I guess, right? Sure, unless you have to deal with Killian Dane. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do that. But, uh, yeah, so, but then it led into a, I know, Larry, I know you're a big fan of handicap matches. Oh, yeah. Yes, a handicap match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey overcame the odds, defeating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. 10 minutes, 20 seconds. Um, hey, the good news is, is they're still behind the Bailey push. Yep. You know, she won Money in the Bank, won the title, and hey, she's winning matches and not looking like a geek like when she feuded with Alexa years back when she had the Raw title. I was going to say, she actually got a match. Uh, she got a win in a match with Alexa Bliss. I was, I was very impressed. Because she couldn't buy it whenever that girl hired yeah. many years ago. Yeah, I, I thought the match was perfectly solid for what it was. A little flat. It was the weakest thing on the show to that point. But the good news is, again, like I said, you know, Bailey is looking good as the champion. But in all honesty, I'm just I'm way more interested in the Nikki and Alexa angle. I was definitely interested in, in Alexa. Uh, I'll say that. Oh, I've missed her shocked. wrestling, man. I have missed her wrestling. That's all I can tell you about that. A, a fine, a fine technical wrestler that looks with bliss. Uh, just uh, one of the best looking grapplers out there. I, I think. I think you would say. I'm shocked that you're infatuated with Miss Bliss. <laughs> uh, uh, well, what can I say? I am a, I am a man of taste. Fair enough, man. Not gonna, not gonna critique you on that. I mean, yeah, it's, she's Alexa's very nice to look at. Uh, speaking yeah. of guys who are not nice to look at. How about that? There you go. Good segue. <laughs> Last man standing match. Braun Strowman defeated Lashley 18 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, that thing would be the longest match on the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, a bit lethargic. They worked really hard. Good news was the crowd seemed to really like it. They reacted big to the finish, which was Braun power slammed uh, Lashley off of like a riser through a, a gimmicked stage below. I think and, they fell about three feet on that. Yes, and then the referee didn't know where they were because they fell to their death. Started counting, and then Braun yelled, Hey, Kool-Aid, and broke through the wall and won. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it was it was good. It was better than I thought, but uh went too long. It did go overly too long. You could, you could tell that the guy, I think it might have been because the guys had to walk around. I think it's what happened there. Yeah. And it takes them longer to get places. They're not the quickest moving men. Certainly Braun's not. I mean, he's he's a slow fella, so it takes him a little time to get places. But, uh, yeah, the fans were into it, which is a good sign for Braun as well, because if there's a guy that's had his stock fall, we talk about Finn Balor's stock, how it's fallen. That Braun Strowman stock was once sky high, and now it's down at the penny stocks. Yeah, I was actually surprised Braun won here. I, I actually thought that with the whole... I mean, they actually felt like they were trying to make Lashley look strong in this angle because Braun speared him through the the whole stage gimmick and then Lashley was perfectly fine. And Braun had the fractured pelvis and, and the ruptured spleen. The ruptured spleen and, and I think he lost an eye, possibly. Yeah, and then he, he came back from the dead and won. And, yeah, you know. I don't know. These things happen. It's wrestling. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, better than I expected, and uh, but, yeah, too long. Cut, 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 cut about five off of that bad boy. Yeah, and then you're, then you're cooking. So. 
Next up, Steve Cook, a match I know you loved because it was the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. New champions as the New Day defeated Rowan and Daniel Bryan and Heavy Machinery just under 14 minutes. I love this match. I thought it was great. I thought everybody got time to shine. The closing stretch with Big E and Daniel Bryan was fucking straight fire, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Those guys going at it. That was some good stuff. Uh, Bryan making the fatal mistake of targeting Big E's chest, though. That was a bad move on Bryan's part. <laughs> yeah, if, if you guys didn't see the finish, basically it's Daniel Bryan's is fucking teeing him up with the the uh, the yes kicks in the chest. Kicking the shit out of Big E. Big E starts firing up. And it was at this point that Daniel Bryan made a mistake when he slapped him in the face. Yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah, Big E fucking murdered him with a lariat, <laughs> dropped the straps. Bryan <laughs> ran away and went to do his little backflip up in the corner counter daily. Yeah. And Big E just caught him out of midair, tagged in Woods, and the midnight hour finished him. Great fucking like 30, 45 second finishing stretch there. Big E, it's like you look at that, like, now granted, it's extremely small sample size, but. You see an interaction like that with Daniel Bryan, and you're like, why the fuck are they not pushing this dude? You know what? And there was a time back when Bryan was the WWE uh, champion where I thought that Big E would be the guy to get the push and maybe even beat Bryan for that title and end up being Kofi because Kofi was their choice. And Big E agreed with that choice. But yeah, there was somewhere I thought Big E would be that guy. And when he gets a chance to do that kind of thing, you think, yeah, that's the guy right there. Run with it. That was definitely that was a great closing stretch with him and Brian, and really good. And uh, you know, New Day like six time tag champs. I mean, yep. I see people already complain about that, but I mean, uh, they're Why? fucking over, and they Why? have really yeah, good they're, matches. They're popular. They sell merchandise. Uh, they're 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 good talkers. There's no reason not to push those guys. Yeah, and heavy machine. Otis and Tucker, they look pretty good. Yeah, and it, well, that's the other thing, too. Is like Rowan and Daniel Bryan developed into a much better tag team than I thought they ever would be. And Heavy Machinery, working with them a lot, uh, have been doing really well. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I enjoyed this. I, You know, Otis, I know everybody gets, you know, we joke about the Vince McMahon humor, but Otis cracks me up sometimes. Yeah. And that guy, just, well, he can pull it off. Yeah, and it's fun. But, yeah, really, really good stuff here. Love that finishing stretch with Bryan and Big E. So... Uh, New Day was about to celebrate backstage, but Hall, Paul Heyman walked through and stole a microphone. Yeah. Came out and said, Philly, he is Philly. He's the concept of extreme, and he won't leave here until he's part of history. And then he gave us a spoiler and said that Brock Lesnar would be cashing in tonight. But then he basically said, you also have to question if he's just fucking with us. Yeah, because he's Paul Heyman. Exactly. Yeah, and Paul Heyman lies a lot. Just ask if people work for him. Very true. <laughs> Steve Cook next up. AJ Styles defeated U.S. champion Ricochet 16 and a half minutes via pin. Your thoughts? Uh, well, I, it was basically a type of match you would think uh, from Styles and Ricochet, except I know I'm sure a lot of people weren't very happy about Gals and Anderson being out there and doing all the interference they were doing. It was just like back in the day, man, back when those guys were in that club. Remember that club they were in over in Japan? In that promotion I can't think of right now. And those guys were all together. And it's just like back then where they're, they're doing all their interference, they're doing all this cheating, and how, God forbid, they cheat. But uh, it, it, it just makes Ricochet look better, though, because it, it, it's not just Styles run over the guy. They, Ricochet is a guy they have plans for. They want him to do big things. And uh, 
losing AJ Styles with the help of Gallows and Anderson has nothing doesn't hurt him at all. Styles got to do the Styles Clash off the second rope. That is pretty great. So some good stuff here. Um, I'm not sure it went as high as some people might have been hoping for, but I dug it. I thought it was good stuff, and we'll see. I'm sure we'll see more of them here in the weeks to come. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought they played off their previous Raw meetings well. The interference was there, but I didn't. It didn't feel overbearing to me. Um, they were they were heavy on the story aspect here because they're trying to rebuild the club, and it felt like you know they're getting ready to work into a really great series of matches with this. And this was like the the kicking off point. It, it sucks that Ricochet lost the title already, but again, he's he's feuding with AJ Styles. Yep. So I mean, that's good, and obviously they're they're giving him a chance because I mean they could. You know, it's not like here, Ricochet. Here's Baron Corbin. <laughs> so, but um, who was the poor guy? The who was the small guy that they had? Oh, Kalisto. Oh, Kalisto yeah. was the guy that had that, that had that endless series of matches with Baron Corbin. And look how well Kalisto's doing these days. Hey, Kalisto had Baron Corbin's best match of his career when they had that chairs match. That so was way, way better than anybody ever thought it would. Well, are you sure Baron Corbin's best match of his career wasn't later on in the evening? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. The best match on this show actually is coming up next. Right now, everybody, I'm going to spoil January for you. Steve Cook's match of the year. Yep. Kevin Owens defeated Dolph Ziggler in 10 <laughs> seconds via pin. Yes. The bell rang. They kind of scuffled. Kevin Owens hit the stunner. Fuck off Dolph and pinned him. That's exactly what that needed to be. There was no need for anything else other than Dolph Ziggler getting stunned and pinned. At this point in my life, I do not need to see any more Dolph Ziggler other than things like that. I just Ke- don't need to see the guy, honestly. Just, Kevin Owens know. is my hero. I he is. I did not want to see a long Dolph Ziggler match here. And again, we, we talked about it. There are times when a goal is to put someone over and you have to sacrifice somebody. And they're obviously building to Kevin Owens and Shane with the angle that they started on SmackDown. And they're trying to present Owens as you know the big badass antihero now after the the weird temporary after heel they, turn. They tried for a second, then they went back to heel for some reason, and now they're back. Yeah, and you know what? Starch and Dolph in like ten seconds is a great thing on pay per view. Plus, I'm oh I'm all for these occasional short matches on pay per view. These things are great sometimes because then you're in the back of your mind, you're like, hey, this can happen. Yeah, match can end at any time. It's not going to go over 10 minutes just because it's on pay-per-view. Yeah, like, you know, they're not my favorite wrestling matches from a technical aspect, but, like, you know, it's like, trust me, it's like, I get why Yano is in the fucking G1 every year. Because he's basically a night off for guys, the crowd yeah. loves his matches, and he works, like, three to five minute matches for the most part. And they're easy on his opponent, they get in and get out, and, Yeah, you they know, need nights, they need nights like that in that tournament. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just... But, again, sometimes you, you need things like that. And this is a great reminder of, hey, there can be these little quick matches. And, again, the goal here was to put Kevin Owens over for a bigger feud, which is not Dolph Ziggler. No, Dolph Ziggler, uh, he, I, yeah, he can, he can just go away as far as I'm concerned. Go back to the comedy store. Go back to the comedy store. Go back to Fox News, asshole. <laughs> I would tell him to go hang out with Tyrus, but he got fired, so. No, I, I, and he's still there. 
I thought he got fired for like sexual harassment. No, he's still there. He still he still has a show on their internet deal or whatever. And the girl that he sexually harassed doesn't have a show. She's the one who got knocked off TV for that stuff. Wow. So, yeah, exactly. But that's that's Fox News. That's how they operate over there. Jesus Christ, that's that's fucking horrible. I didn't know that. I just I thought I read that he got fired. Oh man, Jesus, that's horrible, no. dude. No, he just got moved to a different show. Well, I mean, there, there you go. Uh, so we moved anyway. on. Co-main event of the evening, WWE Champion Kofi Kingston defeated Samoa Joe 9.45 via pin. Yeah. Um, I thought it was solid, but felt disappointing. Joe beat the shit out of him. Joe dominated him. But it never felt like Joe could actually win. Because Joe never wins. Yeah, well, that's what I mentioned here. It's like, it came off as flat and... With this loss, Joe is something like 0-8 in world title and universal title matches. I think he's won, what, two matches all year, possibly? Something like <laughs> Honestly, that. Honestly, the guy never wins. The only time the only, he beat Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania, and other than that, well, I mean, he got the, that title back via forfeits, and uh, maybe did something else. But you see Samoa Joe at this point, you see, well, he's, he's going to lose somebody. And, uh, yeah, Kofi got I, – I don't know if Kofi got any offense in that match besides the Trouble in Paradise. It was just it was just a guy that never wins being down your world champion for 945 and then getting a flash pin. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just it was just there for me. It wasn't bad or anything. It's just – it was solid but flat. And uh, I'm not taking anything away from Joe's ability. I mean, he's he's good out there. He does, he does some good things. I'm just saying that – at this point, it's tough to see him beating much of anybody. He's certainly not the WWE champion. Yeah, and that's that's a shame. It's because uh, Joe is like just a fucking hell of a promo these days, and it seems like you get all I get all fired up for these matches with these great promos, and then it's like, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, and then like <laughs> you get, like the weird stretch of Rey Mysterio matches with like the injuries and weird finishes and stuff, and yeah, so I don't know, but. So that was that, and then our, well, yeah, technically the main event of the evening, (laughs) the WWE Universal and Raw Women's Championship winner-takes-all Extreme Rules match. Champions Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins defeated Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. I was all ready to title this show if they won. WWE enters the darkest timeline as Baron Corbin (laughs) becomes champion. Oh, gosh, that would have been a disaster. But I think we both agree the high point of this match was during the the entrance of Lacey Evans, where uh, I don't know where they decided that Lacey was going to start trying to woo Seth Rollins. I don't know where that became a thing. I must have missed that episode. But uh, she decided to have uh, Seth's name on the back of her trunks. And they're supposed, I guess they're supposed to zoom in on Seth's name. I suppose to so we knew that it was there. They zoomed in on her, on her butthole. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> it was like, like we said, it's like those, those new Japan cameramen back when Maria Kanellis used to be there. And they, they like zoom in on her on her boobs and on her butt and on everything except her face, pretty much, is what they used to do back in New Japan. And at, the, at this point, Kevin Dunn decided that they're going to zoom the camera right up Lacey Evans' butthole. And eventually they had to explain why they did such a thing. It's like, oh, it says Seth on the back of her trights. We, we couldn't tell. We saw a bunch of red butthole. Is all we saw. The first or, which, thing that, I, which a lot of us enjoyed. The first thing that annoyed me about this match is that the WWE rules fucking suck. 
This yeah. is an extreme rules match, which means mm-hmm. there are no rules. But they're tagging in politely as commentary harps on the it's only men versus men and women versus women. But if there's no rules, that really shouldn't apply to this match. I mean, there sure seem to be a lot of rules for a match with no rules in them and a lot of things you're not allowed to do for an Anything Goes match. And you can't even make the excuse that the network doesn't allow it, which I know that the people like to say, oh, the network won't allow man versus woman. You're not, I mean, you're on the WWE network. It's your own damn network. Yeah, I thought it was okay, which for a main event is not what you want. Um, the crowd was really flat. It only really, really popped near the end when they did the one smart thing when Baron Corbin hit his fucking finish on Becky. Yeah. Because that and- that is how you actually get real heat on that motherfucker. You have him hit that and you have him tease an actual pin. Because that is the ultimate asshole thing to do for him to try to pin the woman because he can't beat Seth. And then Seth gets to act like a fucking crazy person and completely destroy Baron Corbin. Exactly. Beat the shit out of him with a kendo stick, chair <laughs> shots, hit three blackouts, and finally pinned him as Lacey Evans was like, I'm fucking out. Yeah, Lacey wanted nothing to do with any of that. She was she was done. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I and I can safely go the rest of my life not seeing another Baron Corbin main event. Uh-huh. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we all can agree. Yeah. Well, maybe some people out there who are just complete masochists would uh, enjoy more Baron Corbin May events, but uh, no. But the show was not over, Steve. No, it was not over because... The smartest man in professional wrestling, Brock Lesnar, arrived. <laughs> yes. yes. Took Brock, uh, Le- took Seth Rollins to Suplex City, cashed in, hit an F5, and became the new champion in like 13 seconds. And you know, I thought for a second... When that music hit, I thought, well, you know what? Seth's completely deranged and insane right now. Is this the best time to do it? But who was akin as Brock Lesnar? You know, doesn't matter. Yeah, I was I was not shocked, but I was kind of surprised because I had really taught to myself, and I thought he was going to take out Kofi and beat Kofi. And be the champion on Fox? Yeah, partly for that, but the other thing to me is like, he comes off as an even bigger asshole beating super family man Kofi that just like, you know, had this awesome journey and he's been a super fighting champion and just like a good chap. And then yeah. dickhead Brock Lesnar comes in just to ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. But no, he ruined Seth Rollins instead, which uh, I mean, since Paul Heyman's going to be the guy on Raw, I guess you got to have Brock over there. Yeah, and again, that makes sense, and I wasn't really thinking about that. I just thought that, like, I thought that they might really want Brock for Fox, and I guess I, I, I worked myself into a shoot, Steve. You worked yourself into a shoot, Larry Zonka. That, Apparently that'll I happen, did. That'll happen from time to time, which, uh, I, gosh, I mean, it, it's, it's a Brock Lesnar title change. We've seen it time and time again. He's going to be around occasionally. It's going to be a thing. I mean, if you're into it, uh, good for you, I suppose. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, God bless Brock Lesnar for getting paid and everything, man. No, but, I don't fault him. Good for him. Keep it going. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really excited about Brock being champion. I I assume they're going to – they did that so they can do him and Seth in a rematch at SummerSlam. Yeah, that would, that would seem to make sense. Because they need matches for that. so uh, They really do. We'll see what happens, but uh, overall thoughts on Extreme Rules, Steve? 
I gotta say, for the most part, it, it exceeded my expectations. I thought uh, there wasn't, there weren't any matches on this show that I would say were just flat out bad. I mean, even that, uh, even the whole Baron and Lacey thing. I mean, there were enough weapon shots to amuse me. You know, some decent stuff there, and everybody brought their working boots and did the best they could. We had the match of the year with Owens and Ziggler, so I enjoyed the show. I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty solid stuff. The one thing, and you kind of mentioned it in the main event with the Extreme Rules match, and it's something that they do every year with this show, they just don't make it extreme enough, man. There's just too many regular matches. There's too many too many rules going on. It's supposed to, if we're going to go Philadelphia and we're going to be extreme, then why aren't we doing uh, crazier stuff? Like, seriously, even that no-holds-barred tag match with uh, Undertaker and Roman and Shane Drew, they were doing the tag-in, tag-out deal. Yeah. It's like, why are you all not just kind of jumping around and acting like lunatics when it's no-holds-barred? Why are you out there with a steel chair, like, right away? Just why did Elias you? wait, like, ten minutes to come in? Yeah, why wasn't he out there at the beginning? Just yeah, like, hey, just, motherfuckers. <laughs> why didn't he fucking, like, run over the Undertaker during his entrance with a fucking car? Yeah. Do something, Jesus that Christ. barred. <laughs> But yeah, it's, no, it's yeah, yeah, that shit annoys me too. I, I think the show because like you know, Extreme Rules, it's a it's a B level pay per view. Uh, I think I think it was too long overall, but I did enjoy the show. I this yeah. was this was probably the main roster pay per view I enjoyed the most since the Evolution pay per view. Maybe I'd have to think about that for a while, but and there's been a lot of pay per views that <laughs> I've completely forgotten about. To be honest with you. Well, I but, found yeah. most of their pay per views average to below average, and I thought this one was really good. Yeah. So I mean, I enjoyed it. I had a good time, and uh, you know, not not overall as great as last weekend, but I thought this was a really good weekend for wrestling again with uh, Fight for the Fallen yep. and Extreme Rules. And uh, I know you uh, you enjoyed the New Japan product last weekend. I did, and I did. I need. I need to look up that uh, Kabishi match that took oh. place. I, I hear that's pretty good. I have to make sure I check that out. But uh, dang it, Larry, is it not? Is it not totally fun to be a wrestling fan right now? All oh, this great dude, stuff we got going on. There's Jeez. so much going on. Yeah, and it's it is. It's it's a blast. There's a lot, a lot of a lot of good stuff. And I keep telling people, and I don't want to like harp on this, but like here's the thing: is like. If you really, really, really don't enjoy something and you do not have to watch it, there is so much out there for you to enjoy. There really is. I mean, there's so many choices. There's so many streaming services. And if you're not sure, just give something a shot. You know, I mean, read some reviews. I mean, there's tons of reviewers on our site and around the Internet. Maybe you'll run across something that, like, you know, looks cool. Maybe you'll read a DDT review and be like, that sounds totally fucking ludicrous. I want to watch that. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe you, you know, I don't know. Maybe you want to see like some big Japan death matches. I mean, there's just, there's something out there for you. Trust me. You can hell, you can even turn on WD network or even high spots or stuff like that and find some old shit. Exactly. That's the other thing too, is like, if you don't want to watch current wrestling and you're just like, I only liked, you know, like I loved Crockett promotions in the eighties and the attitude era. I don't want to watch the main product. Well, fucking keep your subscriptions in the network and ignore the all the other shit then, because mm-hmm. there's tons of that stuff. But yeah, it's just it is 2019 is totally fucking fun to be a wrestling fan. I love it. Um, yeah, you need to watch uh, Big Tom Ishii and the adorable Hawaiian Buddha Jeff Cobb. It's amazing. 
Oh, goodness. I saw these guys going ahead on the show in Dallas. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I need to see some of that. That was, yeah, that was just, that was, I was a morsel on the plate, Steve. But it was, a, it was a good one. Yeah, that was just, yeah, those dudes had that interaction. And I was just like, I have to fucking wait a week now. And I was like, God damn it. But yeah, it was, it was well worth it. And uh greatly enjoyable match. It's everything you expect from Kabanishi. Good times. Good times. I still have to see that Evolve show. I don't know if you checked that out. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out. There's, there's not enough time to. That's the, that's the, the only complaint I have, Larry. There's just not enough time to watch all this stuff. Yeah, that is the one thing. I, uh, I caught probably half of the Evolve show. I watched the uh, the Reverend, the good Reverend Drew Gulak and Matt Riddle, uh, JD Drake and Austin Theory, Tazawa and uh, Adam Cole. Uh, caught one or two other things too from that show, but yeah, I'm kind of making my way through because lost the power and everything, and then got everything back at like 7 a.m. this morning, so I had to review the G1 show and fight for the fall one and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to catch the rest of that, but uh, yeah, some really good stuff on that Evolve show, which we didn't get to talk about here tonight, but yeah, really strong uh, weekend for the wrestling man. So yeah, there's trust me, guys, there's something out there for you if whatever you're watching isn't doing it for you. You just need to look around. Oh, yeah, and there's going to be more coming up, too. Just more and more and more good things coming up on the agenda. That's right. Well, Steve Cook, it was good to talk to you again, buddy. It's been too long. Yes, it's been too long. We'll have to hook up again sometime and figure out something to talk to the good people about. That's right. So for Steve, no shortage of options. That's right. So for Steve, I want to thank you and remind you that you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure sure to subscribe and share the show around if you have a chance. And leave us a five-star review on iTunes as we would greatly appreciate it. And I want to thank everybody that has subscribed and downloaded and shared the show as we have continued to grow month to month. And I greatly appreciate that because I really know how packed and loaded the podcast market is and that like steve said time is very valuable with all the stuff going on so we thank you uh take care happy wrestling steve have a good week you too brother